Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. I definitely do that better than you. I'll give it to you. That was like take two, and you still couldn't get all excited and, and motivated for uh, a welcome. I was pumped. Oh, man. <laughs> That's the most pumped you ever get Jacked. if we were in trouble. All right. Anyways, this is Conzie with the most. We're coming back with episode 29 of Wisco Dice. Uh, it is February 10th. And I've been joined here in the studio by... Stark Raving Mad. Excellent. So, how's it been going, Brian? Cool. cool. So, we just got done playing some Warhammer. That we did. And we're going to go ahead and do a little talking here, as usual, about some random stuff. On today's show, we're going to go ahead and have a big chunk we recorded yesterday where Robert Elmers, the Swiss dictator, went with me down to a new game store in the uh, Stevens Point Wausau area called ROE Games. And the cool thing about ROE Games is it's owned by the same dude that also owns Prison Gaming or one of the owners of Prison Gaming. So it was really cool to get down there and hang out with Scott from Prison Gaming and get some games in and do a little recording with everybody. So we'll go ahead and play that that recording, that interview back as part of uh, today's show. So that'll be awesome. Does ROE stand for something? Uh, It probably does. I don't know. Man. I didn't, Is it didn't, in the interview? Our, our quality <laughs> interviewing skills did not ask that question, I think, so. Man. Be, be prepared to be disappointed. Oh. <laughs> so what else do you think we're going to talk about today, Brian? Oh, uh, I guess a little bit about painting. Yep. Talk about some been painting. painting some stuff. Yeah, you For a change. Been. It's crazy. Unfortunately, it wasn't the army you were playing today, but hey. Nope. And I guess that's some news. I did. We were, I was talking about on the last show, deciding what army I wanted to paint as my goal. For the year, and I think I'm going to go with Vampire Counts once I finish these 10 archers finally. They're so close to done. Yeah, it's definitely very wanna, close. <laughs> you should definitely finish that up and then move on to yeah, the, for sure. the full army project. I'm planning to. It's just, eh, they're so close to done. It doesn't, it's really a big deal to finish them up before I start anything else. Not worried about it. Yeah, definitely. You finish painting that army this year. I will tell you what, Conzie will buy you a, a terror geist for Christmas. I don't want a terror geist. It doesn't matter. You're going to get one. What am I going to do with it? <laughs> I don't care. You can eBay it, sell it, put it together. I don't care. All right. That's pretty awesome. I so, think I can do it. I think, I think you I can, can too. It. That'll be awesome. All right. So, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of a newbie's guide to Warhammer. What does it take to go for a person to go out and purchase to get like up to a 1,000 points? So we're going to go ahead and t- we'll chat about that a little bit too and and try to put it in the kind of perspective that you don't have to break your paint doing it while still buying GW models. So that's kind of our, our main topics for today. So let's go ahead and do like we always do and just give a big shout out to all of our sponsors. Sponsors. We have sponsors. It's amazing. So let's go ahead and first give a big shout out to Prism Gaming. Uh, Prism Gaming, you can catch all their stuff on prismgamer.com. They have an amazing set of washes. I've been really, of course, I've been always talking about Still like talking the about leather the wash and the <laughs> whatever. And we're going to get into a, with being able to talk to Scott later, we get into a lot of like some of the new products that they've got coming out. Uh, so that'll be awesome. Of course, then we also have the Last Square. The Last Square is located on Odana Road, and you can catch out everything and all their merch and stuff at thelastsquare.com including you can go ahead and get GW product at 20% off from their website. You catch that. That's awesome. You also have Misty Mountain Games and Diversions here. It's on the east side of Madison, just down the street. What is is it about Misty Mountain Games that makes them awesome? 
You're asking me. I was asking you. Are <laughs> I you don't surprised? Know. Yeah, a little bit. Caught off guard. I don't yeah. know what makes them awesome. Do we have a set thing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They always they have a quite a lot of stuff there. It's a game store. They have lots of stuff. It's lots, lots of, of game. Oh, it's the freaking huge. Yeah, it is huge. Yep. They have all its space. You can always go in there and whatever event you're running. Or Even organizing. when Magic's playing, you can still play a miniatures game. That's how much space. Plenty of miniatures <laughs> games, and you still usually have plenty of space there. Yep. It has to be a really big event, like Merry Mayhem, where it would take up the entire store. Yeah, that took quite a bit. To that was, up. yeah, 70-ish players in there on Saturday. It was tough to pack in, but we still got found a way to do it. Finally, good old-fashioned Wisconsin Warhammer Fantasy Battles League. WWHFB.com. <laughs> yes, the WWHFB.com, Wisconsin's oldest and longest-term Warhammer Fantasy game club. They have... Uh, all sorts of cool stuff. League scoring. We just able to log in right yes. now today and scored our game we finished playing. So that was awesome. Join for free and score your games. Yes. And, and check out the forums. Yeah, all the information you want on what's going on in the Midwest for events and stuff is always going through that website, including the Cheddar Bowl, which I hear you got signed up to as well. Yep. I'm so, in it now. So we're going to have oh, the full, no. we're going to have the full <laughs> Wisco Dice crew there. That is awesome. Yep. What have we been doing lately? I mean, obviously we, we just, played a game. We did play a game today. Uh, how'd that go? Uh, I busted out the vampire accounts trying to get a list figured out for what I'm painting. First run of them. I would say my list wasn't too bad. I mean, there's plenty of room for improvement. and I felt pretty good playing them, though. I wasn't too rusty with them. I was familiar, but I ended up losing. <laughs> Extenuating circumstances. We played Blood and Glory. <laughs> yeah. And you were I was handing me. it to you the whole time, pretty oh much. Oh, my God. You had this game entirely. You were owning me. I had, because I was playing with my, I own a Bretonian army, and it's all pretty much just Knights of the Realm painted up and archers. So what did I have? Like four lances of, no no lance had more than eight or nine knights in it. I think I had two. You had nine two with nine, the characters in two it. Two nine-man, nine <laughs> I had one nine-man lance with no characters, one eight-man lance with a character, one seven man lance. I put a char- I put two characters in. Yep. And then I had a six man lance. And even like a four man, didn't you? Too? Uh, or maybe not. No, maybe it was just, just a six. six. Yeah. But and then, then four I had units of archers to go. <laughs> three units of archers. Yeah. One of fourteen with a full command. One of ten and one of ten. And then I had a unit of twenty five men at arms. Yep. BSB hero uh, with a morning the morning star fracas, which was okay. And uh, yeah. big, my big character was the L4 Laura Life. Prophetess. And then I had an L2 Laura Beasts. Yep. So what did you have in your list, Brian? Uh, big unit of ghouls, ran in a horde, 40 of them. Uh, I did throw my vampire in there, along with my white BSB, your my vampire, vampire lord. lord. Yeah. Okay. Who is not very impressive build. He's just like a level 4, and that's about it. <laughs> Give him an extra hand weapon. So yeah. that's kind of one of the um, dumb improvements I could make. Uh, but my BSB was in there also, uh, just a white king, and he had like nothing also. <laughs> and then, uh, you, big unit of grave guard, 30 of them, uh, they were just by themselves. Uh, I had, uh, 25 man zombies. They're not in the unit, but I had a banshee hanging around them, which worked out amazingly well. Banshee screaming into combat. And then a necro to uh, lagging behind to try and fill them out, although. They did end up being taken down by the men at arms, sadly. My poor that zombies. That wasn't until after they <laughs> smoked a lance, full lance of knights. Nine oh. knights gone. 
with a uh, little bit of help from the Banshee. Yeah, they messed yeah, up. But those it was nights. still. I mean, the zombies were taking down knights left and right too. It was yeah, they terrible. took down a couple, which is very impressive. <laughs> and then the last thing in my well, I guess I a couple more things on the list. Uh, five race, one of them being a Banshee, and then also a unit of nine Black Knights, and they were supported by a Vampire Hero. It was definitely interesting with the Wraith seeing them on the board because you never see the Wraith. Yeah, I was asking Ben when I put them down, like, if they sucked now or what it was, but they did all right for me, I guess. Yeah, definitely combat, with the, but the Banshees and stuff I'm getting the screams. wondering why you don't were, see them anymore, I guess. I think it's the points cost for the unit, too, is a big, Probably. big part of it. You get the same, you get a very much the same versatility out of, like, say, the Spirit Hosts for yeah. what you're... For the etherealness, it's just I'm, they pack some punch. Exactly. I mainly, to get the other Banshee in there, I needed to take him as a rare, because I already filled out all my hero choice, so wanted a couple Banshees in there, and they, they also, yeah, served out. the other purpose, too, so it wasn't too bad. So, as you can tell, it was kind of, uh, it, Brian's kind of getting back into playing more Warhammer lately, and and I'll be honest, I have been, I've been playing the Orcs and Goblins a lot, and I really want to get away with it. I'm completely pumped to get my tomb kings on the table are orcs still I'm, the best yes orcs <laughs> is, is the best but i am kind of tired of playing i mean it's it's hard playing the best army all the time <laughs> it's hard you know like oh, i just I, I don't want to do that i want to challenge so i wanted to play something different i couldn't put my tomb kings down we were playing 2200 points so i played yep. my Bretts, and I don't play them very often and i had to play with what i was painted and i was scrambling to get to 2200 points <laughs> but yeah. i managed to do it and, of course, I had to play with Fully Painted because it was Conzie's challenge. So I made sure yep. I was there. I stepped up. I followed. <laughs> I mean, as much as it would have been easy to slip in a couple of uh, unpainted characters and in there. And won the game. Yep. It would have been, but I didn't do it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I got that game. And it wouldn't, we ended up rolling up Blood and Glory. And, like I said, you were smashing me left and right. Yeah. I mean, I was taking models off, taking knights off everywhere. Banshees were screaming. The Wraiths were fashion things mm -hmm. but i ended up i went into the game with eight fortitude which is huge and you went into the game with six yep normal amount. and then i managed like the men at arms finally on the last on the last turn before i broke you got the zombie banner yep and the big one was i got a dwellers off with my l4 which got your bsb which was in the ghoul unit because i'm dumb and don't take a I scroll i had no real <laughs> other way yeah i wasn't an irresistible dwellers yep uh, and I barely cast it, and I just got it off, and I you didn't you missed the dispel, and yeah, I, threw I my got dice, the BSB but... there. Otherwise, I wouldn't have got that. But then the next turn, you was you what what was it? Uh, it was just a stupid Bowman unit. I charged through with my Grave Guard and tried to hold them on the overrun, but no, they had to chase you and expose <laughs> my entire flank to the BSB's lance way off in no man's land. Yeah, the, er, that it earlier fled from a charge. It's like, oh, you don't have anything to charge. Here, let me put my graveguard flank here for you. Yeah. <laughs> Which then, the knights went in, I had the worm lance so I could, yeah, I had the strength three breath weapon on the BSB, along with BSB attacks. I've, knights failed their fear check, but yep. with the flank charge, the BSB, the banner, the two ranks of the knights because you didn't kill anything. Uh, it, it was a big combat res, and I basically knocked the Graveguard down to, like, 10 or 11 models yeah, in the next turn. When it was my turn, or next turn, you couldn't charge me, yep. and I stopped the big raise attempts. I took, I stopped all your raise attempts, and that, with 10 guys left, I was able to pull off a rear charge then with my Other leftover that general's unit. a second ago, yeah. Yeah. 
and I was just able to scrape up a victory. So yeah. it, it, it was the it blood was and tight. glory victory. Yeah, blood and glory victory. One more turn. I One more turn. Yeah, another guys. turn. I mean, I yeah. was. Well, I, I don't think I would have charged my general's unit in that case, though. But yeah. Yeah, I guess not. Because you wouldn't have needed to. But. I I wouldn't have needed to. I would have because that was exposing. I was still in exposing a things, spot. but yeah. Or I may have charged my general's unit into the. If it would have been a normal game, I probably would have taken my general's unit into the uh, wraiths. Yeah, that's true. Because he did have the morning star. Your one magic have, weapon in the done whole a little damage, and with a charge, <laughs> might have been able to to maybe get a lucky crumble there or something that would have helped a lot. Yep. Because I didn't have a good answer for those wraiths. That was definitely. And if you would have had another like a thing of spirit hosts or two on the board for some chaffy stuff, I think that would have been really tough for me too. Yeah, I tried. I just I fill out points really fast when I'm making the vamp list. It's really easy to do. You put a lot of characters on the board, and that's really easy to do. You yep. get done with an expensive vampire plus. You had what three or four other characters? Four, cause yeah, the banshee, necro, and oh, BSB white, and then, and the, then the vampire, and the vampire on, the horse. on the horse. Yep. So that was awesome. It was a fun game. It was. And then I played a game against Mike Ballard yesterday, uh, fan of the show, uh, against his Tomb Kings with my Orcs and Goblins with the Double Giant Wyvern list at 2200. And we were doing Cheddar Bowl prop. So I had, in Cheddar Bowl, you're allowed to take a 200-point allied character. So I took a Dark Elf Sorceress with Lore of Shadow, level 2 with an extra spell. So... I had all the spells on her you just about would ever want on the Lord of Shadow. So I had Withering, I had Mind Razor, and I had Miasma. Jeez. Not enough? Not enough. <laughs> we ended up playing Watchtower, and I really didn't play the scenario. So what I should have done Watchtower's was park my... Rough. Yeah. I should have parked... Well, he's playing Tomb King, so he can't march. Mm-hmm. So all I really got to do is stop his, his move spell... It's going to take him three turns to walk the tower. You in that started time, with the tower, anybody? He won the tower, but he chose not to put anything oh, in there. Okay. All he had was a unit of archers. That was his hyro bunker. Ah. And he didn't want to put the archers in there. Yeah. Because then he didn't have any place to put his hierophant. So all I really had to do, though, to win this game was put my biggin unit on the other side of the tower and protect their flanks until I could walk them into the tower on turn two. So why didn't you do that? Because I'm a bonehead. <laughs> I, I, I like losing, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I ended up playing. I tried to play the game more smashy, and he got a and and uh, just get into combats and stuff. And, I mean, it was a pickup game Played anyways. Like orc. So. orc smash. Yeah, orc smash. Orcs want to fight. That's what I was trying to do. And I didn't play the scenario, and I lost. It was <laughs> That was uh, the kind of thing. I, be, I mean, a big purple sun also took off, like, my Hierophant and almost got really? my... Your Hierophant and oh, your Orcs and Goblins? Or not my Hierophant, my Orc <laughs> Warlord on the Wyvern. He yeah. took him out, and then it took out uh, like half a Goblin unit that my Dark Elf Sorceress and then my L2 Night Goblin Shaman was sitting in, and they all <laughs> wow. somehow managed at least to hold their ground and not run away. But, yeah, that was big. It was cool getting a Mind Razor off, though, on the Night Goblins. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the Night Goblins then took down while they were in combat with they took down a uh the uh war sphinx really yeah that's funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah the goblins did almost all the work on that thing it was hilarious uh so and then uh we'll hear on the next episode when we have robert i think we'll hear maybe a little bit of it later too in the interview portion of the show robert's games he had some games at uh, roe as well so that was cool cool so what else have you been working on? I think you heard you were painting on your painting, archers. painting, painting. You're still not quite done, 
But we set our. It's only pe- been a week. We did, yeah, we did set our goals for uh, a month out. So that's oh, solid. Okay. You're getting close. That's good. Yeah, they'll be done like in a day. Hopefully, maybe later tonight I'll finish them up. Hopefully, I just gotta, you maybe even get some dark, some uh, vampire crowns started then. Um, I don't know. I have to put some thought into what I'm gonna go about doing for that. As far as what to start, and I have to base coat. That's a lot of metal and plastic showing in that army yet. So. Well, you can at least get at least while you're thinking about it. Like your color scheme, you definitely could get started on doing the ske- some skeleton bone or something like that. Yeah, because that's going to be pretty standard no matter what. Just in my current list, I'm not running any skeletons, so or zombies yeah. or something. I mean, there's pretty they're pretty standard. Yep. Yeah, I'll probably start with zombies. I'm pretty sure. Have you picked out like a color, like a primary color or anything like that you're going to use? Kinda. I was thinking about running them kind of just black, but yeah, I'm not you sure. Want something yeah, right. Yeah, I know. But I don't know. That's why I have some to put some thought into it again. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Blue would be really cool. Black though. is all I got right now. Blue would be awesome. Like a really <laughs> cool blue or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. What's the, you, you can think about it. You'll come yeah, up with something awesome. All right. And I've been going ahead and getting some painting done. Obviously, I've got the, the challenge with Andrew Sherman. And I've knocked out a lot of... I actually have slowed down a lot. I did, I had been knocking out a lot of stuff prior to Wapaka. You're putting in more focus on your Tomb Kings. I'm really... Taking a little longer, isn't it? Yes. I'm almost done with the Casket of Souls itself. i still got to do the crew for it, but I've got the Caskets of Souls almost done. Yep. I actually, Friday night, got my Lich... Or my... Tomb King. Tomb King on foot... As well as the both my both my tomb scorpions, uh, all base coated and, and ready to go. I actually haven't got pictures even up on the net as of the time we're recording this. So uh, that's all base coated at this point, so that it's at least to the point where I can put it on the table and play with it. So I've got my one K now is at least all the way painted, and it, now it's just going back through those and getting those finished. And I guess I do have to do the casket crew. Those don't have any paint on them yet. But, again, hopefully tonight or tomorrow night I can have that base coated up. And then hopefully Tuesday night I can get a 1K game down to the square. So I get a little bit of practice before going to Disnotling. Is that next week already? I think so. Sounds right. Or, no, it's not next week. It's the week, week after. after. I got two weeks. All right. I got two weeks before that. I got next weekend I actually got Cheddar Bowl practice. I'm going to Fetters. Oh, really? Grant Fetters. So hmm. that's... uh going to be fun on Sunday. So I've got that. And then I've got, uh, I did that and I finished up. I'm actually closing in on finishing up another five space Marines. I know round base stuff. Stupid space Marines. But I got five more ultra Marines almost finished up. So that'll be awesome to get those off the painting table and get that done. I've gotten, I'll have a, you know, another month or two. I'll have a, all the space Marines I own painted. That'll be awesome. Wow. I just like 30, I think I own 30-ish of them, regular Marines. Hmm. So, that'll be cool. I mean, it's just kind of nice to have that, to be able to put that on the shelf, because that's something I never play with, so it just sits on a shelf. Yep. It's kind of cool to have that, instead of having a gray plastic, have it like actually all painted up and looking, sitting there and looking like, hey, this is something somebody could actually play with. So, and then we'll start focusing on, I'm, I want to get some, I want to try to get that, I'm kind of pumped to get that done, and then I'm going to try to try to get back into painting up Moria Goblins. Oh really? Yeah. So we gotta, we I got eight of them. I got eight of them done. I got a lot more to do. There's like forty some I gotta do. Yep. So there's a lot of those dudes. All right. So I think we're gonna go ahead and take a break. 
And when we come back, we'll go ahead and play back that interview for you. And then when we're done with that, we'll get to our main topic. Excited. Yay! Let's take a break. <laughs> Do you want to speed up your games with super accurate measuring and control your dice from flying everywhere? Then Prism Gaming is your place to shop. Do you love beautiful, bold colors and amazing washes with a huge selection of colors? Then Prism Gaming is your place to shop. If you love to game, then you love Prism Gaming. For all of their products and materials, shop www.prismgamer.com. All right, hey, we're back. We're uh, where are we at? We're at ROE in Wisconsin Schofield area. Let's go ahead and just cap up. We got a bunch of people here sitting around the mics, so let's just go ahead and cap up who we got here. Of course, I am the Conzi with the most. We also are joined by our host Robert Elmer, the Swiss dictator. Okay, and we have Scott Krieger, owner of ROE and Prism Gaming. Okay, and then we have Mike Ballard. Mikey, hey, good to have you on the show again. All right, so we got we came down here to ROE Games today to hang out, have fun, roll dice, play games. Got some Warhammer in and watch some other games getting played. And I got to say, the store is awesome here. It's clean. Mm-hmm. It's nice. The tables are pretty amazing. I'm kind of floored by the tables. That was one of the things that kind of caught me. You know, you go to a lot of stores, usually you get some cheap folding tables or something, cheap chairs, and all those tables are just amazingly awesome here. And the table, are... Tables are the most important part of tabletop gaming, so yeah. we thought we should pay attention to that. It's definitely the ta- kind of table that you can sit on, and you're not like a guy like me can sit on it, and I'm not going to bust the table. So we're, that's awesome. <laughs> and they got some nice stools for the higher tables too, which are yeah, very comfortable it's to every, sit in. It really, with the it definitely it was definitely designed like the tables. There's tables here that are designed with the idea that people are going to play war games on them, and there are tables that are more like okay, they're a little bit narrower. There's the games tables you're going to play board games on, you're going to play card games on. Definitely well thought out. Well, one of the plans was behind it was to make sure that both sides of the the war games were involved, so that way you could play your fantasy Warhammer or 40k, or you can go to the small three or three by three scale with like Dust Tactics, Malifaux, and anything like that. So that way we're not sitting there congesting up one side of the room when we can use both sides equally. That's I mean amazing, and of course then you got all of the Prism Gaming paints and stuff here, which was really awesome to you know see on the shelf. Get to see that. I don't I mean we got three stores in Madison that we frequent pretty solid, and mm-hmm. only one of them carries them, and that's kind of a shame. It is a shame. They should really get it in. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta talk it up at the last square. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, you can always get all of your Prism Gaming needs at their website, PrismGamer.com. And I hear this ROE Games also has a website as well. Ah, uh, yeah, it's ROE Gamer. Okay, and you know what? What kind of things might might a guy want to go to ROE Games to uh, try to pick up? We've got blogs, and uh, we're gonna our community calendar and whatever have you. It's gonna be a great place to communicate with one another and where you want to meet up with uh, for your gaming in the area, and uh, find out what's going on with it. We're looking to make it a community calendar for all gamers to use, not just ROE, but anybody that's in the area, from Stevens Point to Merrill to everywhere. I mean, there's gamers everywhere, and they need to know where we all are. So. Okay, that's awesome. Now, I, I think we had a couple of you guys played some Warhammer here. Yes, we did. How'd that work out? 
Well, I played two games, but we'll talk about the one with Mike here. I played my Nurgle Demons at 20. We were playing 2,400 points. I had two blocks of Plague Bearers, a Guo, a small unit of Flamers for Chaff, and some Nurglings, as well as a BSB and Epidemus. Well, I was rocking the Tomb Kings today. Had a nice smooth six chariots with Kane. Had a big horde of Skeleton Warriors, smattering of Rock Archers, as well as a Horse Dance, the Obligatory Casket, and Heretide. Solid, solid. I've got to say, I had played against you the. Our first game, we played a Watchtower game. That was, I was, I, I you know, I'm not playing Tomb Kings. I'm, you know, I've been playing them and doing a bunch of practice. I was really floored at the consistent large magic phases you were pumping out, and uh, ultimately, that's what won you the game in the Watchtower game. I got purple sunned, and then that's the problem with Tomb Kings. <laughs> <laughs> it was deep. All, all they do is make magic, <laughs> pretty much. So. Uh, that that was a good game though. It was solid. I still almost dug my way back out of that after the pur- big purple sun took out my warlord and a big chunk of uh, some other stuff I had. Yeah, you got to the point you beat me in the watchtower once, and I had to take one stubborn mind test and pass it. I didn't have a BSB, so you had a pretty good chance that I could have whipped it. Yeah, I had a chance. There was a chance. At least that's all you can ask. So, how did your guys' game go? I was kind of paying attention, but. Some some guy here kept distracting me with like shiny new products and talk. <laughs> we'll probably talk about in a second. So it went well. Um, it could have gone a lot better. Pretty much everything Uh-oh. I had bounced off of those plague bear hordes. I ended up dropping one of them with my skeleton warriors, but the other the other unit just chariots bounced off of horse fixed didn't get the breath weapon. Just the poison got too strong. Because I had the four plus poison from Epidemus, and then once you get that going, it really just starts to chew through things. Especially since the unit you threw the chariots into, and then later the Sphinx. I also had the banner that all the poison wounds do double the combat res. So, and then he's crumbling. Tends not to go well for the undead. I just noticed we, you know, we've got a kind of an audience now. Everybody's kind of like stopping <laughs> at games that are just all like really quiet. Like you'd be expecting some background sound here. No, they're all just watching us. Like, wow, this is what this is about. We also so, have courtesy here at ROE. Wow, that's kind of amazing. So, we a big, uh, big thanks for everybody that came into ROE today to hang out and play and watch us record some Wisco dice. Can you guys make a little bit of noise for us? How about we all get a big wog? I mean, I know none of you guys were playing Warhammer over there, but you got to understand this Games Workshop thing, we do this wog. So, you know, that's what the orcs do when they're going into war. So, you know, I'll just do a demonstration. You guys got to wog after me. That was awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. This will be on episode 29 of Wisco Dice, just in case you needed to know. All right. So uh, that being said, sorry about that interruption, but I just kind of noticed the, the dead silence we had. Everybody's like, are we supposed to talk? Crickets uh, in the we're background. not sure what we're supposed yeah. to do here. <laughs> so. Uncomfortable almost. <laughs> it was. Everyone is watching us, and it's a radio show. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So... That's that's definitely your evidence that there's actually people here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> proves it. Well, there's yes. a good group here, actually. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a lot. This the store was hopping today. Yes, it was. I cannot complain. It was a good time. Enjoy it. So a lot of good people that came in and out from all over the area that you don't always see. Right. 
Yeah, Based we had from a, Stevens Point as well. Yeah, so. we had uh, Johnny Hastings was here earlier. You got to play against Johnny Robert. Yeah, I made one big mistake where I did two combats out of order that let him get a unit into the other combat that let him do a lot more damage. He ended up thrashing me as Johnny usually does, but it, it was, was still new, a fun game. It was New Warriors of Chaos too, so you were just kind of giving stuff a try with some of the differences and changes yeah. in the book. I mean, I forgot something. Sometimes I forgot the Nurgle lore attribute. I completely forgot about the War Shrine giving you three dice and choose two for eye of the gods so i mean it was partly my being completely new to the list i think i forgot to tell him early on maybe about the nurgle mark and it was partly being new to the list partly my making mistakes but still i'm kind of happy where i'm kind of going with the list now and it was a good game and playing against his beastman and also playing against johnny who is a very good general and knows how to use them it was a basically a great way to test that army out. Well, Johnny's got kind of the thing I've talked about a lot on the show about Warhammer, which is you just keep playing the same thing over and over and over and over, and eventually you figure out what it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and part of that is that when Johnny takes on a painting project, it takes him years to complete it. So, you know, by the time he gets to but putting another army, well worth it. Oh, oh yeah. Gosh. I mean, you never, nobody ever wins appearance awards. Like, I, he just signed up for the Cheddar Bowl today. I just saw that go up on the WWHFB forums. And the next thing I know, I was like, oh, my goodness. Let's hope he wins best overalls, what and you're like, saying. Like, yeah. No, nobody's got. I thought I had a shot at getting an appearance again. Oh wait, or getting an appearance award. Oh, at Johnny's Ball. here. We just have to. Yeah, go Johnny now. signed up. Now I'm doomed. Let's play for everything else. <laughs> yeah. So, but, no, jobs cool. are sick. But as you were saying earlier, I mean, people like Johnny and a few others who are really good painters motivates the rest of us to try to push that score a little bit higher. Oh yeah, you, you can't game go to a, Oh yeah. You can't go to a tournament and be down a third or a half of a game because he scored that many more points on you on paint. So you definitely, everybody that wants to compete really has to elevate their game, which makes every event you go to just look so good. I mean, it's really pushed me, helped push me and motivated me mm-hmm. on my Tomb King project. And no, no, it's still not that like top end level. It's really awesome. Well, you, you remember that study they did about three years ago at GW and people that actually have their armies painted play about. 50 to 60 percent better than those that don't have their armies painted and it's not because they don't have their armies painted because they're lazy it's just they don't care enough to learn their armies so in i can theory, see that in yeah. theory yeah i can see that love you know. your army enough to paint it love your army enough to learn it you're gonna be <laughs> more motivated it's more i think people that don't paint their stuff too uh, in my experience are either playing either more casually if they right. if the intention mm-hmm. is they don't they're not going to get it painted they're, they're not as committed to the hobby as say we are <laughs> yeah right there's our, us and our insanity of you know yes. how many billions of models and armies i've owned and painted over the years i think it adds some self confidence too oh absolutely oh yeah i'm going to agree with that all the way and then of course you know just the enjoyment of the game where you got two armies that look good across from each other. You're, you're going to be in a better mood and probably get better sportsmanship scores because you're just in that better mood. Yeah, well, that, that and you know your opponent cares enough about his army as well. I mean, that mm-hmm. alone brings up the pride level on both sides, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. I'm totally about the pride thing and in, in, in having respect. You, you When you play a painted army or playing against a painted army, and you've painted an army, you know what it takes, and you've got that kind of respect uh, of what it takes to get it done. So when you're playing against somebody with a well-painted army as well, you really, you know, there's a certain amount of like, yep, I know right what you've been through. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's that instant yeah. camaraderie. So. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what dr- what draws these groups together and makes them last so long. It's definitely one of the, the bindings of the glue that's with the uh, Warhammer community as large. I mean, there's, there's all of us are just hanging out like buds together, and we all just yeah. can't wait till the next big two-day event, you know, two-day <laughs> tournament. We're all going to all these events, and there's, you know, you turn around and pay the prices that you do for a minis game, sure. whether it's Games Workshop or whatever you're playing. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, yeah, it's, and they don't give them away, around, apparently. And then you turn around <laughs> and go to two-day tournaments like like a lot of these guys are the core group in the Midwest here, where we've gone to three, four, five, six two-day tournaments a year. You think the cost of that, hotel stays, travel time, whatever, it gets – like that's that's another whole army of model purchases that you're dropping, and everybody's mm-hmm. doing it just because of the hangout and the social time. Oh, sure. Look at Adepticon, one of the best gaming events of the year in, in the Midwest. And you look at all these people, and they plan their whole year around it just so they can gather in Chicago of all places and, and, <laughs> and throw dice or cards or whatever have you. And, and, and that environment, and you guys know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's just, well, kind of. Well, Adepticon <laughs> is awesome, okay? I've been there once. Last year, last year was my first Adepticon. We Same only here. went because of the show, and we were there for like four hours. It's good stuff. And I haven't been – I don't think I'm going to go back this year other than to hang out and catch the Forge World. It, it's just too much for me. I'd <laughs> rather go to Wapaka or Blood in the Sun personally. Yeah, from a, from a fantasy side, there's better events. For the whole of the hobby – it's definitely. I mean, you, I'm you talking about the, a, the level they go to with Adepticon. Oh yeah, I mean, you think it's, about it's, it's sheer insanity. It's, yeah, and it's uh, all no, no, it's all no, love. It's all love for it. That's what I'm saying. No slight on Adepticon either. Those guys, like I know the guy that runs the Warhammer Fantasy Tournament really well, mm-hmm. and and yeah, there's no slouch on it. It's just not <laughs> for me. It it's just the hasn't cost. Been my biggest, biggest, yeah, cost and it's overwhelming. It, it becomes overwhelming for sure. Yeah. It's a one day deal. I couldn't do it for the whole weekend. So yeah, I definitely show up. <laughs> I definitely show up this year. I'd probably be out there on the Saturday, hang out, see see what's going on at the fantasy championships, check out some Malifaux stuff, and uh, just kind of walk the vendor hall, pick up some Forge World stuff because, hey, you can beat the Forge World shipping. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Forge World I, I don't is know not anything free. about this, but rumor <laughs> is that one of my next projects is uh, Warriors of Chaos. So, All right, Mike, you gotta, it looks like you're checking the time there. Is that right? Yeah, I've got to go pick up the sun. So. All right, well. Good game. Been Good great, game, ha- yes. been ha- great hanging with you. and. Hanging out all day. Thanks for coming down to ROE. Not a problem. Uh, Thank you for being here. And it looks like I'll see you in two weeks. Yep. Yes, we have the Snotling, which will be in La Crosse, Wisconsin's 1,000-point tournament filled up. And Konzi will be unveiling for the first time his Tomb Kings in a tournament environment. So it'll be awesome. I will. I will be. <laughs> that sounded uh, odd. Yeah, so that, family show. Family thing. show. That's the point. But uh, I'll probably mm-hmm. if you're if you're planning on surfing the bottom tables, that's probably where you're going to find me. So. <laughs> well, I generally try to hang in the middle. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, last year I was like dead last. <laughs> well, at least you were comfortable there, right? Yeah, I brought the nowhere to go year. but up. <laughs> I bought the dwarves last year, and they were. I didn't have a very good list. My dwarves have not been built up for eight that, and I just wanted to bring them up and push them around for a while. And you know, I just couldn't make some cannonball shots that I needed. And it it's was just right a, about where I am with my vampire accounts right now. I've I've got them, and uh, they're ready to uh, to start playing with, but I'm just not quite ready to. That was one of the things that that was really surprising that uh, Wapaka this year was the Vampire Counts uh, Club Auto Break, which is out of Minnesota, brought and it's been talked about a lot. And we talked about it on the last show, 
but they brought uh, Vampire Counts armies, like the whole, what was it, seven, eight of them out of the club? There were seven of them, and they all ran the exact same list. I played against it twice. Um, there's a ghoul team, there's a BSB, there's two level ones, so there's four level ones in the list, all four all, all doing with one goal and one goal only, which is to raise zombies. Correct. <laughs> then they had five units of 30 zombies, two terror geists, uh, one unit of the Vargeist, and then there's some other chaff unit in there. I can't remember which one. Yeah, I don't remember what it was either. I, I played against it once. Some or something. Yes, I think that was it, actually. And that list performed amazingly well. The goal was to scream at things. You know, they use the terror guys to scream at things. Sure. They use they, they use the zombies to tie things up. And then they did a whole competition. Bog you down and just shoot the yep. and heck they, out of you. They, they did a whole competition, the entire event, all about... Uh, who could get like the most zombie kills? Who could get the you know who is the worst zombie kills? Who got the most zombie kills in a game? And we're fortunate, at least in this game, to be joined by the master zombie killer himself, Mike Ballard. Yep, thank you. Yay! Well done. So, you and your free beverages next year, I'll get you in the Johnny Hastings Hangover Award. So that's a good start. <laughs> nice. I had to. Um, you don't win that next year. You done your. You haven't done it right. That'd be a big fail. No, I ended up killing 455 over two games. That's a lot of zombies. For Tomb Kings, too. You did that with Tomb Kings, which is crazy ridiculous. The War Sphinx in one round by himself went and killed 51, if you include the crumble in there. Just by far, by far and on. I think that's better than my Savage Orcs did it around. Or my big and my, or my normal Orc the, re- the redundancy of it all, though. Think about it. The dead killing the dead, Pretty so they're much. dead again. What? Redundantly, redundantly, redundant dad. <laughs> yeah, and it's the battle cry of a vampire god. <laughs> well, they had the card. Pretty much. Because they can take out the terror guys. Uh, because Casket goes through it pretty quickly. Skull of Bolts do the same. And, of course, Spirit Leech. I mean, that's just plenty of tools to take out the big nasty real quick in a hurry. Help if I had a Skull of Bolts, though. <laughs> yeah. I got my Tomb King deal. It had lots of War Sphinxes, but no Skullapults. It's very sad. And I just don't know if I can stomach a fine cast one. No. You, we all know that I'm a big hater on the fine cast stuff. That just drives uh, me up the wall. I'd rather pin sharing. the old metal one. That's what I did. I, I mean, I, I, maybe to be a slightly contrarian here, but with at least with the Tomb Kings with fine cast, and you could maybe see the, un, the VC being undead, they have a slight hole here. Well, they're undead. There's, it's it, a the pockmarking isn't nearly the issue. It's every every fine cast model I've had, the paint just rubs off. It doesn't matter whose paint I'm using, and I wash the things. I've washed them with soap and water. I've done a lot of stuff. I wa- this last one I did. I did the the my Hierophant model for the Tomb Kings. I actually took that and washed it with uh, Elmer's glue. It watered down PVA uh, before I started painting it. And I still, it just you just touch it, and the paint would just rub right off. I found with the fine cast, if I want to have any success, and this is just me talking here. I'm not saying this is the ultimate recipe to get the paint to stick, but uh, I've used two different types of primer on them, and one of them is the plastic coat primer. If you're careful with it, you put that down as your base coat, and that adheres to that Krylon. It's uh, manufactured, I believe, by Krylon. And what it does is then you go over it with your flats. So is that, that an, is that an automobile primer? Because I, that's what I use on no, some it's things. um it's a regular pri- it's an indoor outdoor spray paint. You'll okay. find it at any of the big box stores. And what you do is you coat it with that, and it adheres to that plastic, and it bonds with it. So you have something for your flats 
to prime it with to adhere to on top of it. I have had success with it, but I'm I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all because you're going to have to do two coats of spray paint, and we all know what happens when you do two coats of spray paint. Right now I have no success, so. I haven't had any problems with the fine cast. I use this stuff. Um, it's also from, like, Home Depot or Menards. It's called Painter's Touch. Yes. Um, and it's, like, 3 or $4 a can, and get it in white or black. And it just, I've never had a problem with fine yeah. cast. That stuff just is what I use as my primer. Yeah. And it works really well. I've heard the same thing from the guys over at uh, 40K Wisconsin, and they said the same thing. But the Krylon Flat White also works by itself, too. I haven't had much problems with it, but once again, it's it's – I think it's the mix of the resin sometimes because sometimes you get a really good mix on the resin. And I'm not saying it's a bad product, but sometimes you get a really bad mix on the resin and then you end up calling up GW and having to uh, wait for your new model to come in the mail. We'll go on record. I'm, I'm okay going on record and saying Games Workshop, quit making me fine, quit making fine cast. Either convert the stuff all the way over to plastic. Or I agree. Give me I agree. My metal I agree. Back. Yeah. Because I had to send in uh, Lysander four times. Ooh. Yeah. Four I, times. They don't even want them back. It's funny. They don't even want them back. I, I guess but, I'm a little biased because I guess I've been lucky. I've not had a problem with right. fine cast. Uh, so I guess I'm a, no pun intended. I'm neutral. I well, can see the attractiveness, the, but. The beautiful thing about the miniatures industry right now is the fact that as we move forward, you see a lot of the, the things like the fine cast starting to go away too because some of the single models that they're putting out now are being made with the ABS plastic that they've done with their regular models and what have you. And what I've been watching is, is like the, for example, the vampire counts, the, the banshees, they could sure. have easily turned those out as, as a, a fine cast and it would have been an inferior product. And they didn't, they made it out of an ABS plastic frame. And what ended up happening is they ended up with a really good model and it goes together amazingly well. It doesn't melt when you leave it in the sun too long. And um, in the end, you're happy. Oh, and, yeah. And I don't know why they're not doing everything this way. I got the Dark Elf Sorceress kit, and that model, plast- for a plastic character model, the detail and whatever sick. for that fig is amazingly good. Yeah, it is. It's sick. It's just ridiculous. And, and I would say the same plastic. about the Chaos Sorcerer kit that came out, I think, in 2011. I really like that one, too. And, I, I mean, if you're going to do it, you might. I don't see why you don't put the extra time. If you're well, not going to do it in that, put the model in metal for me. I'll, I mean, you're charging the an extra arm money. and a leg. Give me a model I'm happy with, and I'm not right. happy with. I'm, j- I'm purposely avoiding buying your fine cast. Right, and with their ABS designs, I mean, the the level of detail that they're able to accomplish with their molding is is just mind numbing. Why not just do all that? Weird. They used to do the metal models, and they could have went to resin, but they chose not to. And after talking with Weird, they told me why. Because ABS plastic is more flexible, more durable. You're not going to have to to deal with breakage. You're gonna you're gonna wreck the if the model is gonna get wrecked. It's gonna get wrecked so bad you're gonna have to go find a new one because somebody either stepped on it, got ran over by a car, whatever have you. Mm-hmm. And and all their new product is coming out on ABS, and the models are insane, insane. But when they're finished, they're amazingly beautiful, and that's that's important too. For as much money as you're spending on miniatures. You want your money to go the distance. Yes. And if definitely. I've got to sit there yeah. with a tube of super glue and fill in all the little holes in a resin model because somebody in England can't do their job in quality control, there's a problem. China or whatever, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and I think that's a big factor in it. I think it's it definitely is. It's a quality control issue, and not only a quality control issue. And they've been rectifying just, it. Don't, don't don't get me wrong. When you have a problem with their quality control, they they fix it. They take care of you. But we shouldn't be the QC department. Exactly. Customers. Yeah. I mean, that being aside, let's go ahead and get onto a more positive to- topic before you guys all turn <laughs> us out. Because I know there's, there's there, I know there's guys out there that are listening to the show and they love Finecast and they don't want to hear us rant about Finecast. Well, they are beautiful models. We'll say that yeah. much. I, I I think everything in the GW range is is amazingly great. Like when I, those new Mangler Squigs came out, I was just floored. <laughs> they were just awesome, and, and I bought two of them. There's not enough money in my bank make account me cry to make every me time. happy. I, I just can't put them on the table. They make me cry. And even between us, I guess I'm more warm. To find cast personally myself, but that's just different tastes too. So on to positive things. On to the positive things. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking. We were sitting here hanging out, talking earlier while I was waiting for Robert and Mike to finish their second game. And I I understand that you've been fiddling around with some paints in the prism line of paints. So what Uh-oh. what new rumors maybe can you tell us about what's coming out for prism here? Well, we're working in the next on few months. We're working on a pearlescent black. Which is going to be part of our new pearl, the new pearl colors that we're trying what, to put together. I understand you can't do pearlescent black. What I was are you told about? this is just insane. I was told it's impossible, so I did it. You know, and um, it turned out really well. We're still uh, finishing up the recipe and getting the the fine tuning on it, but uh, it works really well. It looks amazingly well on, say, Black Legion Space Marines or even Chaos models in general. Yes, you can see that depth. I- I have a feeling I'm going to have to repaint my entire Chaos Marine army now. Or just dry brush them with the new stuff. And mm, it'll it'll be for, a repaint. Forgive maybe my ignorance in some of the terms, but you know maybe it helps us for some of the viewers. But what colors would you use that on? Yeah, let's take even a step back. Let's define, like, a lot of people don't understand what pearlescent paint is. Yeah. They, like, so we're talking about this this paint. What is a pearlescent paint? A pearlescent paint is a paint or color of paint that has a pigmentation that is filled with a granulation that causes reflection or it gives it a metallic sheen if you would which is where the word pearlescent comes from it gives it a reflective quality it's basically turns a color oftentimes like uh it turns it metallic it is really the in thing. essence that's what and it comes down to like like if you look at my dark elves and you look at their armor that's a a, a take on pearlescence sure. so uh, can i get achieve a lacquered effect almost well Honestly, um, you can use the pearlescence and coordination to do what you're talking about. And I found that with the pearlescence, if you're using a gloss uh, finish on them, it makes them much more robust in their color. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I wanted to go back and touch up my chaos warriors, you saw them sure. that Nurgle look. What would you? What would this? Give me the step by step. I want that green to look like a lacquered armor. What would you do? Um. Well. A pearlescent is a finished paint, so it's not going to have the same kind of pigmentation as a base kind of paint that you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is you're just going to take that pearlescent and you're just going to layer it onto it. It's going to be translucent enough that it's going to allow bleed through from your background, but it's going to add that reflective quality of the pearlescent that will give you the, the, that that twinkle, as it were, that you want to put on there. Yeah, I'm not sure if the pearlescent might be what you're looking for here. Yeah, but it's I, way too pretty. For Nurgle, for I think it's a little Nurgle. too pretty. But like if for for anything with like, like some armor, Zinch oh. would be perfect. Oh, Spot on absolutely. perfect. Um, I just did a, a squad of Chaos Space Marines um, for Zeech where the armor has like a black and pink flame penelope on it. <laughs> and what I did was I base coated it with pink and then I went over it with uh, the pearlescent pink on top of it and then I followed it with a black on the other side and I used really really flat black which is our base black and 
it gave such a nice contrast because you have this brilliant shiny pink on one side with a with a I put a, a red wash on top of it to give it its contours, but then on the other side of it you have this deep black and it's dry brushed with a little bit of a light gray, which gives it complete opposite, which is kind of what you want with Tzich, and it gives you the depth of what you wanted to get after as far as as that particular branch of Chaos Space Marines. He's sure. selling me these paints, and I already bought some, and now I want to buy more. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what he does. Is he, 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 he gets talking, and he knows. Anytime you get in talking to somebody that actually knows what they're talking about when it comes to paints, it becomes you know, obvious. It makes you, <laughs> it sucks you right in. And it's definitely, it's definitely, a, we've talked about it before on the show. These are the guys that they're sitting there, they're actually, they're making paints, they're actually working on their paints. They're sitting there painting an army and going, dude, that doesn't look right. Down to the shop we go. And down we went. And the other color <laughs> we w- we're working on is a new wash, which we had done your primary color washes, and they all work well, and they are compatible as far as mixing for those of us that are paint mixers, and we like to play around with our with our tones. And one of the things I, I was playing around with Malifaux, because I've been kind of focused on Malifaux for the last 12 months. It's more round bases, but we, we forget. Round base or round base, but... Look, we, nice looking we, <laughs> they have very nice models, especially if you're not into painting armor. They have a, a wide variety of different things you can do with it. And one of the things they had done is they had some several of these characters that were in, um, they look like from the 1890s, 1900s, and that was the kind of uniform or kind of clothing they had on. But the, the twist was that they were kind of possessed by a demon. Okay. And, and the artwork, the demons were like kind of transparent with like a blue hue to it. And I was getting mad because I couldn't quite figure out how to make this really stand out the way the imagery that they had done in their drawings. Because one of the things Weird does is their images look exactly like their miniatures. And so when you yep. look at it, and, and it's it's right on. So I'm like, well, I want to make it look just like that. I want to I want to knock this out of the park. And so I couldn't get the pearls to line up the way I wanted it to. And I was like, you know, I couldn't get it to lay down. And it's like, you know, I really never tried making a pearlescent wash before. And I said, you know, I wanted to try to make it a multifaceted wash. So I, what I did was I combined a green, a blue, and a purple together, which gives you the full spectrum of, of, of the, the blue hue. Yep. And I turned it into a wash, applied it to a white base, and it turned into exactly what I wanted to do with this model. Now, you can chase it with a dry brushing of the pearlescent regular paints, and that'll sure. bring it up. But when you stick your your eye close enough to it, you can see all the different shades of these different pearlescents in there, and it gives it almost a, an immaterial appearance to it without sure. actually casting the model out of a, a clear, Very which I have also thought about doing. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a friend of mine who was took a, taking a salon mage priest, and if he would have had your pearlescents, it would have been perfect. Because he literally recast it out of clear resin. Well, that's at prismgamer.com. You can get those at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's not a recast salon, but you can, yeah. Oh, sure. But, uh, yeah, he, he literally recast the salon, and then he wired it up with a light inside of it, and then he kept he was searching and searching and searching for exactly that pearlescent paint to get it just enough so the light would glow through it. Sure. But yet that pearlescent look, Sure. I don't think he ever did find the right paints. And it's been years since he did that project, but this would have been perfect. And if, you, if there's something out there, we'd love to see some of our listeners go grab some Prism Gaming pearlescence and do that project. It won't be something I'm doing anytime soon, but 
Well, <laughs> and to be fair, part of the reason why I was very excited to come up here today was not just the gaming, but when Ben showed me what some of the stuff he did with some of these paints, I was truly amazed and I was looking forward to at least, I said, I'm going to get at least the armor one and I was iffy on the leather one and I ended up getting that one. You won't regret it. No, you it won't. It's, <laughs> I, I, re, I definitely reflect the leather wash. Everybody... Everybody in the Games Workshop world with the old Pin Citadel line was just all hot on the Devlin Mud. That was the bomb. Devlin Mud was the bomb. Well, guess what? The leather wash, and this sounds like we're sale. This sounds like a big long sales pitch, but the leather wash blows the old Devlin Mud, in my opinion, out of the water. It is spot on. That amazing. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to trying it on my Nurgle. Well, when I was over in uh, Green Bay doing a paint demo, I had a young man show up at the table with a Rhino. Which is, I know it's a round baser game, but well, but we know there's no it base is. for that. I mean, it's a rhino, it's a tank. It's okay, a tank. gotcha. And he's like, "How can I paint this?" And he had done a, vi- I mean, this kid was probably 11 years old, sure. And he had taken green stuff and he had made this into a plague bearer nice. rhino. And I was really impressed with it. And I was like, you know, in the future, if you really want to pull some tricks, take some skulls and press it into the green, and it'll give you a whole different shape and shade. Sure. And it, and it blew his mind. So then. He goes, how can I get this done and painted fast? So what I did was I mixed, I took some green, and we washed it. We threw it. We had a dryer available there. Half hour later, it was dry. Then we chased it with some our leather wash on top of it, and a little bit of black mixed with it, and it just scabbed and nastied this thing right out. Nice. The kid was done with the model. He didn't even need to do anything else. We ended up taking some black and and and, and a light amount of brown and doing the tracks on it, but this thing looked sick i mean not like awesome sick it looked like you could catch a disease off of it and he was he was <laughs> that, more that, that's than happy yeah he was more than happy about it and it took so minimal amount of time to do any detail work he's gonna have to chase with a little bolt gun metal or something or even some well i don't know what color it is anymore neither do i i haven't i purposely that's that's, that's like that's a silver colored paint maybe or a dark copper and chase around with it I mean, that's what I would have used is like our, our silver metallic base just to give it that janky metal look and then sure. chase it with some of our armor wash available at Which ROE. Which is awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And I mean, it just, we cut it down just a tiny bit to give it a, a back down the green so it'd get it, give it that pale look, but it just, it took care of business. I mean, we painted a hundred space marines blue in under an hour. And they had all the shading on them. There was all the dark contrast in them. And they had the blue paneling on their armor. So they looked just like they came from Ultramar. And I know it's round basing, but it's still 100, it's still hot, it, 100 it, it, Marines based in one hour with our paint line. That's, I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that you talk about speed painting. You talk about, uh, we've talked about that before on the show and some different mm-hmm. techniques. Uh, definitely just kidding models with uh, being able to t- pick up a wash. Do a white undercoat, which everybody's scared to death of a white undercoat. Don't be scared of the wash, white. I go white gray. Right out straight out of the pot, put the wash on the white undercoat, and you've instantly got the depth to the model you want. It's a nice thick coat, so you get a nice... It highlights gotta, right you, away, you, too. It kind of gets you that. The, because it's a white undercoat, there's enough see-through, you get the highlight. It really just falls in, and then it, it gives you an outline for the rest of the way you want to paint the model. And it gives you a, a base for... However, you want to paint that model. So you, you know, if your skill set's not really great and you just want to kind of wrap it up and say that's enough, you're done. Or if you want to go ahead and uh, add additional detail and go back and build up your layerings, you already have that foundation of where to put the highlights already on the model. 
Well, that was the whole point of our wash line when we first conceptualized it was to do uh, something that Army Painter hadn't done yet, and that's kind of go beyond the the basic natural colors, you know. And by the time we got it to market, it was it was a different story, of course. But we're not doing a product that stops with just the army painter in mind. I mean, you can take it and you can turn it into a wash, like a more traditional Citadel style, but it allows you to have that much governing over it. And there's so much wash in a pot of it that you, you're going to get your money's worth all the way down. So oh, yeah, it's crazy. The amount of wash you get in a single pot. You just saw the pots today. That thing's huge. Oh yeah. It's Four times the amount of the, the competitive color. Not only does it look like you get more, but it just my first impression, it also looks like it's going to seal a little bit better. So It does. Yeah, that, that bottle does seal. I know that was an old – it's it's a screw on top on the mm-hmm. cat on the bottles. It, se- it seals nice. I haven't had a problem at all with with drying or anything like that. Because so. that's some of the problems I had with some of the GW washes. It, just leaving them on my painting table, especially if you're in an apartment where you don't necessarily have full control over the heating. Moisture gets wicked right out of the jar after mm-hmm. you've opened it. I've found that with my own Citadel paints too. And I love Citadel. I think they make a great product, but I prefer my paints to stay I, wet for over I see. A year. They got to be a pretty decent product. You carry the line here yeah. at, right right next to your Prism Gaming. You're carrying the line here at ROE. Yeah. So and we we have to because not only do my paints work well, so do theirs, and our paints work well together. So it does. That's the other. I mean, it's obviously the other thing, and you find that from line to line. I mean, I'm doing a lot of stuff with Reaper Master Series, which on is a top great, of the Prism great line as well. Stuff it works. Perfect. I spot on. Where the few places where Prism doesn't necessarily have that color for me yet, I, I'm filling in with the Reaper stuff, and yeah, and they'll get there. I'm already thinking of how I might use these for my Flames of War, where I use primarily Vallejo paints for the paint guides they have in their books. So I'm, I could see it even complementing them very well. I've too. used it a lot on my Americans using the I don't remember what the green ones call the green wash that you have. I use that oh. a lot on my Americans. You gotta think now. <laughs> <laughs> It's our green wash, uh, gangrenous. Yeah. Yes. And that's and that's it. You know, just doing a, a quick dry brush of you know I'm doing black undercoat on those. Sure. Just a quick dry brush of like a base kind of olivey drab green, and then that going our over army the top, green works good for that. That it just goes right over the top and just gives it that 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 original dry brush of whatever my base color was. Sure. It just it makes it pop. I've been using it for uh, dust tactics as well, where we just. Uh, um, if, if you're uh, into speed painting and you just want to get your stuff done, the armor wash works well on the allies or even the, the access. Heck, it even works on the SSU. But just that armor wash gives the grittiness to each one of the models and then just a, a light coat of paint on the base and it, you've got something that already looks like it's ready to go on the table. You add in you know, a little bit of flesh tone or whatever have you and it's ding it up and away you go. Yeah, it's it's definitely solid, and it's it all falls into what have we been talking about since uh, December? We've been talking about the Conzies Challenge in 2013 to not put an unpainted model on the table. So these and are all great things we can talk about. Yeah, I saw I, you I, I confess over there I violated today. that today because I wanted to try out the new Nurgle ogres, and I'm still converting them. You know what? I confess, that, I but really that confess. that is okay. I mean, I, we we have. A, I mean, it, I'm not going to do it myself, and we're looking for a prettier Warhammer, a pretty war, prettier war gaming experience in 2013. And thank thanks to all you guys that are that are that are hashtagging Conzies Challenge on Twitter and, and following along with me and make sure you get your pictures of your painted games up and stuff and, and push your friends to doing that. But there's no excuse. I mean, it's really easy to get some models base coated and up on the table and, and going 
four to be able to do that. And whether it's Prism or GW or whoever you end up using, uh, it's really not horrible to get some quick base coats, especially doing like the, the white primer followed by a quick wash over the top. And then you've got that base coat and you just pick out some details. And at least then you can move on to the next stuff and you've got stuff that's painted. And for the most part, if, 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 if the listeners out there that are new to painting that are not familiar with what we're talking about with some of these techniques, talk to your co-gamers. Talk to your friends that are miniature painters. They can point you in the right direction. We're working on some tutorials here at Pri- on the PRISM side of things that we want to get on there so people understand what a dry brushing is without having to having to have it be shown, actually have a, a tutorial that works effectively on how to dry brush. Are you that talking was, maybe videos online? Yeah, we're going to be putting post? them on YouTube eventually. Uh, that eventually. was one of the things I was wondering about is, you know, you've got like PRISM's got the bases and then they've got the finish paints and you've got the washes. And I think that's a, a, that kind of thing. It's even intimidating with the Games Workshop. If you Absolutely. don't understand the mechanics the paint of it, system yeah. or what you're trying to accomplish with the paints that you're purchasing, mm-hmm. it can be a real challenge to yeah. work from the bottom to the top layers of the colors that you're trying to accomplish and get that proper look or that proper effect out of the models. Right. So, one of the things we started doing here with uh, the painting side of it is we have a lot of novice painters in the area that don't have a clue where to begin when it comes to painting their models. So every other weekend on Sundays, I teach painting on the most mundane level of painting, and that way if they need to learn how to dry brush, we have a, a, a system in place, that standard practice of how to learn how to dry brush. And so when they leave, they know how to dry brush or highlight or detail or use washes. These are all techniques that seasoned painters take for granted and they don't mm-hmm. think about. But mm-hmm. for the new guy that's coming to the table that wants his stuff to look good and he's afraid to ask because he sounds like he doesn't know what he wants to do. Please ask. Yeah, please ask. That's why we're here. That's what the whole game store environment is about. It's mm-hmm. to foster good product in your hands. You Even know? seasoned hobbyists. I mean, one of the, you know, I've been playing in the hobby for a number of years. I've been painting for a number of years. But there's still a couple things that, I find truly difficult to work with. And one of the things for me has always been skin tones, trying to get skin to look right. Skin is a very difficult way to do it, depending whether you're painting Ogre Kingdoms or Undead or just a nice-looking model that's not sick or anything. To find the right way to do it, you have to understand how the, how the skin tone and warmth of the skin tone have to be. For example, if you're painting a normal person, you're going to start with a darker tone and bring it up to a light, lighter tone if they're Caucasian. And then if you're doing like a, a, a darker tone skin, you just want to make sure that you're making your measures and, and drawing your light source to where it needs to be. And follow your color wheel. If you don't have a color wheel, you should get one because it'll it'll help you figure out how to bring those highlights to a face and then really draw it where you need to be. Definitely. And, and again... I- I have to tell that the Prism Leather Wash works out. <laughs> you thin that down with a little bit of their cutter or a little water and put that over your initial coat, and that all of a sudden makes magic happen, let me tell you. Yeah, the the leather wash is God, amazing. I'm a fanboy. The, the leather wash works really well, and uh, sometimes I like to use an eyedropper and put a little bit of the red in there. Sure, and, I can see that. And then I'll give you a little pink it up, and if you like painting females or whatever have you, you want to give that little bit of a a warmer texture to their skin line or whatever you want to do. Or if you're painting a fat dude or something and you want them to have those rosy cheeks and you don't want to have to Santa. really like Santa. Sure. You want to make sure 
you know, you want to just a touch of red doesn't hurt nothing because what it does is even even with your skin tones, it'll it'll bring that skin tone right up to where you want to have like a warm looking skin. Sure. Okay, so we've been we've been rambling on for a little while here. I think we're the gonna go. Audience ahead. might be going to sleep for us talking about pain as much as we are. Yeah, I, I think I, you know. I, I honestly, part, in all honesty, it's not just the games. It's not just even you know designing the best list, but it is a hobby. It, it, there is that painting element, and some of us want to. A lot of us, in fact, do want to keep on improving and keep on getting for sure. You know, for sure, this hobby. And and in all honesty, our best shows. The best, the most downloaded Wisco Dice shows are the ones where we've talked about hobby stuff, where we've talked about painting, and where we've talked about making terrain. So right it's on, definitely right something on. we know. It gives a value add for our listeners now, and it's something that they'll maybe go listen to six months from now, too, which is awesome. I mean, we could even come back, especially since now, I mean, you've tried these paints. Now that I'm going to start trying, we can even come back and revisit and see what more and more yeah. people they try. We got to get, we got to get Brian using them too. The Stark Raving Mad, who's not here, who's the other ho- our other host, he couldn't make it down with it, but we got to get him using them too. He's he's a guy who took that How to Paint Citadel miniatures book, and he it is never, an amazing pl- doing. It's an it. amazing piece of work. That book is valuable beyond words. It it it, it goes in, right with the current Citadel paint range. And it goes step through step to step on how you do it. And the DVD that comes with it, I put it in when I want to go to bed at night, and it just puts me right to sleep. <laughs> but it's very informative. So, so very the book, dry. Not the DVD. Well, the, it's such a dry uh, approach to it because you have this wonderful voice speaking to you with a British lilt to it, and it's just like ah. <sighs> <laughs> a little Gregorian chant in the background. There you eh? go. Yeah. It defines what I was talking about with, with what we want to do. But it just, I don't think they get into it deep enough because dry brushing is not just a technique. It's a way of painting. And sure. and that tool to a guy who's able to paint well, for example, a person that's painting undead can make their undead army done ten times faster if they know how to manage how to dry brush in different fashions, mm-hmm. from highlighting to just a true dry brushing to weathering to dusting it down just to give it a texture. These things are all part of the same technique skill, but you need to be able to show that. You know what I mean? I mean, some people, when they dry brush, it looks like they're just slop mopping when they're hitting their models, and that, to them, is dry brushing. But there's That's so, But there's so much, and it is, but it, there's so much more to it. It's like, you know chopping wood you can split wood or you can chop wood you know and splitting wood is being careful about it but chopping wood is just hacking the heck out of it you know probably a terrible analogy but i I get it i get it it makes sense to me yeah i've taught probably 60 people how to paint and sometimes you just gotta grab their hand and say no no it is sometimes bad boy stop doing that you're wrecking your model you're not listening to me you need to just you see the visual difference now watch me do it now you do it now no no you're doing it wrong i had a student when we were running dork fathers up in merrill wisconsin and uh she came in and she had no idea how to paint a model whatsoever so i taught her how to prime it with spray paint and that took two weekends alone and finally she got that down and i showed her how to use base painting and we got on all the base painting done and she wanted to do and she got learned control and she found the lot, you know, model lines and all these things that come with learning how to paint correctly. And by the time I was done, she was already taking models to go enter in the golden demon. Now I don't know what she did with it because she didn't come back, but, but the stuff she was taking in, I was impressed with. It impressed me and she had learned to paint at my table. Sure. Now, 
Well, but she's she, got the but she was, to do it. But she was receptive. And you have as a as a new painter, you have to open your mind to recept or be receptive of what other painters are going to teach you. I've learned tricks from guys that I think are terrible painters. And it's not what not to do, but there was some technique that they had picked up on that they had figured out that I didn't know. Everybody can bring something to the table as far as painting goes. You just have to know what to watch for. <laughs> we, we talk a lot about that, and we've talked about mm-hmm. it in the past. When you go to a tournament or you go to an event or you go down to the game store and you see what somebody does that, look, that looks awesome. Like we've both been inspired by Dave Benarek's bow strings. Yes. When you see something, I you saw go those. and ask them. It's the best compliment to the dude on what they did. And the, almost everybody in Wargaming will just sit there and talk your ear off on how they did this or how they did that and give you all of their secrets. Yep. And then you go, really? Yeah. It was that easy? Yeah. And, and you want to fall over because it's just such simple doodah, really? No Nobody, way. Nobody's going out of the way and making this hard or doing like, well, well okay, everybody there wants are a it. few guys that are. Yeah. But they're fu- You're going on Firecast again? <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we'll uh, do more stuff. What what what's that place? The last the last circle, the the last triangle. No wait, the last square. That's what it is. The last square located on Odana Road. Have you been there? Yeah, yeah. They have the huge selection of miniatures. Everything from five millimeter scale all the way up to twenty five, twenty eight. Everything you could imagine. Yeah, it's the basically the war game store of Madison, Wisconsin, with every wargaming need you can just about imagine or think you wanted, and a lot of things you didn't even know you wanted. Exactly. They also have model railroads and rockets. All sorts of good stuff for the geek in ya. All right. And if you can't get to the square, you can always check them out on their website, thelastsquare.com. Exactly. My precious... Your precious what? My precious everything. Yu-Gi-Oh, Warhammer, 40K, War Machine Hordes, everything. Everything? Yeah, it's all at Misty Mountain Games. Really? Correct. Located on Cottage Grove Road. And you know what? I hear they also have the largest gaming space in all of Madison. Don't just hear it. I know they do. All right. And also, you can check them out for board games as well, I hear. Yep, board games. They got pretty much everything. The management and the staff down there are awesome. They can hook you up with whatever you need. If it's not on the shelves, they'll make sure they get it in for you promptly and quickly. All right, well, check them out. Misty Mountain Games on Cottage Grove Road. And, of course, hit their website at mistymountaingames.com. All right, we're back. Back to the backpack. Back, 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 back. <laughs> And we're back. Okay. Hey, uh, <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and we're going to do a little bit of a talk on, and we'll do a little, I think, uh, it does, this topic deserves a, a more elaborate digging into when we have a full studio, but we are going to talk a little bit about what it takes maybe to go ahead and, and get into this hobby that is Warhammer. Because at the front, when you start looking at $75 rule books and $50 army books and, Thirty-five to forty dollars for boxes of core regiments and of Games Workshop stuff. Holy cow! Yeah, it, <laughs> that's if you're a new guy, that's just mind blowing. Forget that. I'm gonna I'm gonna be two hundred dollars in, and I have a couple of 
boxes of some plastic dudes and the rules. Wow. <laughs> so what I, I think the, the the king is here, we're going to try to go ahead and just elaborate on some things that maybe you can help, that will help you maybe talk to some of the new guys. You get some new guys that are coming to the store, maybe they're looking for, you know, trying to get into the hobby, or you got a friend of yours that's like, dude, this stuff looks really cool, but I just can't swing it, I can't afford it. We've never heard that before, have we? Never. No, nobody ever says that. No, I'd really like to play, but that that's that's just too expensive. I can't cover. You hear it. that a lot. It's like, wow, that's really cool, and yeah, they just never actually think about digging into it. The- so we're gonna talk a little bit about how how do you get past that point with with those people, and how do you point out like, hey, dude, you can do this, and it can be affordable. So how do you get to that first thousand points and work with thing? I think the first thing. I think of is that you get away from having your buddy buy rule books. Yeah. It's important to get a rule book at some point, but for me, I think buying rule books and buying models uh, versus buying models is two different things. I think you get bitten by the miniatures bug once you have the models. Isn't that right? Yep. So what, what do you think? I mean, if if I was just going to buy Games Workshop stuff brand new, what's the best way to get, say, a thousand points of stuff? Usually, the big boxes are a pretty good deal. The battalions, battalions, battalions are solid. They're definitely the best way to do. A couple I mean, characters, and you're almost set. You battalion, yep, exactly. You buy Most a battalion. Come with characters now. Um, I don't some think so. Some of them, I don't know. Yeah, some of them. Maybe I don't know. I haven't paid attention that closely to too many of the newer battalions, but yeah. Yeah, you buy a battalion that usually comes with two or three plastic kits, or at least three plastic kits. Usually, like the, like I just bought the Beastman a couple of years ago. That was a box of gore, effectively, a box of ungore, effectively, and then ten bestigore. Well, yep. whammo, that's a, that's a pretty a solid start, start to, an to an a Beastman sure. army. Yeah, I turn around and buy a couple of plastic, or a couple of characters. Unfortunately, Beastmen are one of those armies that really didn't have a lot of, they finally have a plastic Bray Shaman, but. Yeah. Uh, you buy a couple of char- you buy a plastic character and maybe another box of gore and whammo. That's it. You know, you're on the table. Yeah, sure. That's, that's still a hundred dollars for the battalion and maybe another $50 in figs, but you're, for 150 bucks, I think that's, you start rounding out a thousand points pretty quickly yeah, there. Yeah. You can get a lot of play out of that. Same with, I think, uh, a lot of armies are that way. You can pick out and, and do that with. So that's something you can definitely think about and do and, and I think uh yeah sure you get you have to get your buddy over the over the hump of thinking about yeah I'm going to have to save up some money and I'm going to have to drop some money on that battalion right off the bat but that gets them um, once they get that battalion they've got a lot of stuff that's a lot of work I like you know for somebody that's never really put together models yeah, or sure. clean bold lines you get a battalion worth of stuff that's going to be a lot of stuff for them to work with put together to try to get it on the table and the whole time in the meantime if you're helping them out, plan, you know, maybe loaning them models or proxying up stuff, even if those are are just cardboard movement trays to represent his stuff, so just that you can get an idea game. and you can show yeah. him to play the game. That's big. So I think that's the big thing that there is that we want to definitely emphasize. Those are the kind of things you you want to go ahead as far as looking at the actual games workshop stuff. What you can do to try to get them into the into the game. I don't know, Brian. What else might you think of or or point out for our fans or, or that somebody might wanted to? If somebody you got a buddy that that wants to get into the game, and 
they're looking at buying stuff. What's what are the kind of things maybe you point them to to purchase? Well, save say a vampire <laughs> counts army. What's the, what are the kind of things you point them at to purchase for like their first purchases so that they can get uh, a, not only a significant amount of points on the board right away, yep. but also you know stuff that's going to be maybe cool things that they're going to keep on their list for a long term. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, I would point out ghouls. I mean, you're yeah, like, you want to say core, ghouls for sure. But I mean, ghouls are you know, ghouls are something you're almost always going to want to have. Yep, they're pretty good points for core. I mean, they're what ten points per model or something. I think they're actually like twelve now. So yeah, I mean, they're there's <laughs> they're fairly pointy for core, and they're good to have on the table. You're not, they're uh, yeah, they're not like going to be obsolete for any reason. Another thing is, another thing is, you know, definitely look for those. I think I think I think that's what I'm trying to point out here is that you you know with an army, if they're trying to do it on the cheap to get started, definitely don't pick them, point them to doing zombies. Yep. You're gonna they're gonna buy hundreds of zombies <laughs> before they have any amount of points, you know, three points per model, like oh dude, that's a lot of figs. I'm gonna buy gonna a lot of thirty five dollar boxes. Blown off the table. <laughs> it's yeah, like I spent it, all this time and I'm just pulling them off in droves. I mean, well, but, once I get a couple banshees or a terror geist or something like they that. Can then they can take down knights. They can. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's definitely I think the direct one of the directions to go. The other thing too is with a new player, I think you can do is steer them to help try to steer them towards more of the armies that are more points per model. So not only just picking you know maybe the units that are higher points for their starting units in whatever army they choose, but help drive them towards maybe say like a Warriors of Chaos or maybe one of the elf armies because elves tend to be a little yep. bit more expensive. Points per models or dwarfs are are tend to be more expensive. For, so it's a lower model count that they have to put on the board initially. Yeah, it'll be a lot less work, and they'll have something to play with right away. Yeah, exactly. More than the hordes. Definitely getting... It's definitely, like, say, and it's, it's definitely better. Like, oh, hey, I got to do Warriors of Chaos. Okay, well, there's a couple of boxes of Warriors, Warriors a box and, of Chaos yeah, Knights, and some character and a couple of characters, and whammo, you know, I got 20-some models. I'm on the board. I'm playing Warhammer. For sure. Keeping that in mind... Well, say let's take a couple of the armies that we're we've been playing uh, pretty much right off the bat. Let's go ahead and do like say let's talk about Tomb Kings. Let's relate that to say Tomb Kings. Is that an army that I think? Well, one, I don't think I, if it's a new player, I'm not going to tell them not to start Tomb Kings to begin with because <laughs> yeah. it's going to be an army of frustration for, for them. Sure. I, I think they're a good army. I think you can play to win with them and you can win games with them pretty solid, but. I I don't. It's a it's a really steep learning curve type force. So there's a, there's a good example of something it. you're like, hey dude, keep <laughs> them, stay away from that. Yeah. But okay, let's go into like another army that we we know pretty well, the vampire counts. So there's an army, uh, that obviously we talked about ghouls. Uh-huh. So you can build up, you know, a couple of boxes of ghouls goes a long ways. At 12 points a pop, you know, 20 ghouls. That's yeah, you can have all your core ghouls, and you'll be perfectly set. Yeah. You don't even have to have anything else. Two, three boxes of ghouls, or, well, three boxes of ghouls, because you want, you'll need to make your core. Yep. So there's, what, three times... There's only 10 in a box. Right? Well, yeah, 10 in a box. There's 30, 30 ghouls. So you got three times, what, 12 points per pop, so mm-hmm. 123, 60 points. Yeah, they end up like 400, pretty much. So you got 360 points there in, in ghouls on the board, maybe a gas or something in there if you felt like it. So, yay. 
And then you've got, so there's like a hundred dollars worth of stuff, maybe. Mm-hmm. You got, what does Vampire Counts have a current plastic kit for characters? Uh, they, I think they're still they have individual. a few fine cast ones, but yeah, there's no yeah. kit for characters aside from like the terror guy slash zombie dragon. So you're going to be, be looking at maybe another, uh, a, you fill out a, a character or two, maybe a necromancer at a thousand points and, uh, and say a banshee. Or, you know, a necromancer and a vampire, steer them towards a vampire so that you get a bigger, bigger unit there. And then you still need, like, another unit. So what's another good unit? Maybe the Black Knights or something? I was just going to say the Black Knights are a pretty cool plastic kit. So now all of a sudden you maybe put a unit of 10, so they're putting a unit of 10 ghouls on the board, a unit of 20 ghouls on the board, a unit of Black Knights, and then they're going to have to, uh, pick up a character or two, like a necromancer, and, uh, maybe they pick up a, a uh, vampire uh, mounted, either mounted or on foot, to go in one of those units, and and you're rounding out a thousand points pretty yeah, quick. Yeah, that's there. gonna be about it. And what do we? That's probably what 150 bucks retail, 170 bucks retail, at most, I would say. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, then you can steer them towards discount sites and stuff like that. But just talking sheer brand new Games Workshop product, that's not bad. Put a thousand points on the board, and I think it's a foundation for um to then go ahead and make the next purchases. Yeah, sure, they're probably going to lose a bunch with that. Yeah. I don't think that's an optimized <laughs> list at all. But but they're going to be able to get the foundation of how to play the game. It's not like overtly intimidating to get that many models put together to put on the board. And you've got stuff in there that you can use at 500 points too as well so that you can they can play some 500-point games to get a feel for it as they're working their way into that 1,000. And gets them into that position. I think the same thing. Uh, another game an army we played today was Bretonia. That's another good army for the yeah. That's another really the, easy uh, one. Gets a thousand points. Bunch of knights and you're set pretty much. Yeah, three boxes of knights at knights or knights of the realm or what twenty four points a pop. Yeah. So you get eight knights in a box, isn't it right now? Uh, yep. So eight knights in a box for thirty five bucks or they have so. a pretty good battalion too. Yeah, it's a pretty solid battalion. Bunch of peasants in box of knights but even if they had to just stick with the plastic kits you uh-huh. got uh three boxes of knights at, at you know that's eight times uh, here we did a lot of prep here uh <laughs> what, so, eight times 24 yeah i can't do math like that in my head it's like 164 isn't it um i got 192 so oh. 192 <laughs> and you get command <laughs> command oh, yeah, elements you add command elements to that, you get to like almost 250 unit points or so a, a unit. Yeah, knights are usually about almost 300 usually. So if I if I just bought three boxes and I put three bo- three lances of eight dudes on the board and a couple characters, that's you know done. Yeah, done. Three units plus two characters, done. Well, maybe three characters, but hey, done still. Yeah. So that's that's a solid. That's a solid start, and, and you're going to need the knights. It's a solid build, to start solid start to your army. Uh, it's not the is it an optimized build? No, but you know you're talking three boxes of knights and three two or three characters. That's that's not unreasonable to put a lot of points on the board, and that's one of those things where you take them and if you can steer them towards that kind of an army where it's not that many models, it's a great way to. Get them started. Ogres, another solid army yeah, to start with. Ogres. You buy a couple of boxes of ogres and uh, maybe 
you know, a character or two, you're boosh done. Even even ogres, you know, maybe you don't even have to buy the character because you can con- you can get them to convert a character out of the base ogre boxes. So maybe a couple of boxes of ogres and a box of iron guts, and now you got enough bits to kind of swap together and put together a cool character out of that. Yep. Uh, so those are all options to go ahead and take the core GW line and get somebody that's out of the game, you know, hey, the, dude, this is going to be this much money to get started. I'll loan you models. We'll push around some cardboard chits or whatever. I'll show you the rules. I'll avoid you having to get the rules just to do it on the low, the low end and get started in the game. And, and the, and it's always good to get you more and more people playing the game and hobbying it up and, and playing with you. It's just more, more people to get to play against ultimately down the road, more people to have fun with, more people pushing models. And it's never a bad thing. Wouldn't you agree, Brian? For sure. So, all right, I, I think that's a good little rap intro on the getting started with, with, uh, get them playing, yep. getting them playing, getting to that thousand points. And we give a good, a few good examples of, of how, like, purchasing plans on getting to there. So let's go ahead at that point and let's move on to Cozy's Boy, I'll tell you what, I don't do that nearly as well as Paul. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, so on today's Conzie's rant, I wanted to go ahead and bring up, and, and a lot of people know about it, but if you don't, I want to go ahead and, and lay out the situation, and and I definitely want to point out to all, each and every one of you that you, what what's going on with this kind of deal. So... Uh, author and artist MCA Hogarth recently got a, their book, which was titled Spots the Space Marine, uh, was pulled off of Amazon. And I think it's been since it's been put back up and, and such. But the whole deal, basically, the author of that book, uh, got, from what I understand, got some letters from Games Workshop stating that you need to cease and desist. Uh, with putting this book up that spots the space frame because we own the copyright infringement. You know, we feel you're doing copyright infringement on the term space marine. <laughs> and eventually, uh, Hogarth, uh, didn't, didn't take her book down from Amazon and, and they wrote, and Games Workshop Legal wrote Amazon and Amazon took it down. And that's complete nutter. Uh, Come on, it's Space Marine. I mean, it's pretty silly. Would you have a problem if, if, if it was Marines in space? Is there somehow a <laughs> copyright infringement in that? I mean, come on, really? This is so pathetic. I mean, this is a concept that obviously, come on, Games Workshop, you want somebody to start, you want the token estate to start coming back on you <laughs> on elves and dwarves orcs. and orcs? Yep. You know, I'm pretty sure I started looking. I did some research not that long ago on orcs, and orcs is pretty much a token type invention. So, or wraiths. There's another one. Wraiths are definitely a token in, invention. Oh, so yep. all of a sudden, you know, what the heck? Yeah, you're going back to, you know what? Your foundation of what you're doing, you know, and your core game is based off of stuff that you guys didn't come up with. And here you're going to turn around and take somebody else's creative achievement and tell them they can't do it because it's copyright infringement. Come on, man. It's just <laughs> not right. Uh, get off it. I mean, it's the same thing like trying to tell somebody they their podcasting and telling people about your product and whatever. Come on, man. Don't go after them. That's just... Be the big boy. I mean, we're 
it, it would be a whole different thing if they were if it was like a bunch of space. I mean, I can I can get going after people that are like this is this model is clearly going to be used. They designed it to be used in the Games Workshop game. It looks exactly it looks very similar to other Games Workshop Space Marines, but the pose is just enough off to scoot around copyright infringement. <laughs> I can get going after somebody like that. I can get going after somebody that's that's trying to make money off the of, and it's clearly trying to make money off of this spot the sp- spots the Space Marine clearly not going after games workshop the person may not even you know not even really realized at the time they're just talking about spots the space marine it's whatever i don't even know what the deal is with the book i mean it's just space marine (laughs) but i i think there's a lot of opportunities for here to try to like dude this just just isn't really cool i mean i can get a lot of things but this just doesn't make sense in my mind so i wanted to go ahead and rant about it I don't think, for me personally, it's going to change anything. I know, personally, I'm going to go out of my way for the next month and not make a Games Workshop purchase, but that's just out of me personally. I'm going to try to do that just as a my own personal protest, but I'm not asking anybody else to follow suit with me. I'm not asking anybody else to do anything like that. To be honest, I probably wasn't going to make a purchase for Games Workshop product the next month anyways. <laughs> I had been looking pretty hard to get maybe getting that the Kate Warriors of Chaos new book, but... Oh, really? I, I don't need it that bad, and I'm certainly not going to be playing Warriors of Chaos anytime soon, so it's not like I really need it. So I, it's something I can put off anyway. So it's not like I'm changing my, I'm not like going out of my way to, to do anything, but I am personally going to not pick up a Games Workshop product for the next month. So anyways, that's the Conzie's rant, and take it or leave it. That's, I wanted people to know about what, about that situation and what's going on if you hadn't already heard. All right, so Brian, what did we talk about today? We talked about what we did recently. We did, and you went over to ROE Games interview. Yep, we had that the the interview with Scott, and we had Mike Ballard was on that, and of course we got Elmer, the other ho- our other host of the show was was with me at ROE, so that was really cool. Uh, we also then talked about a little bit about what it takes to get into. Uh, Warhammer. What it took? I, I guess it was turned into more of what does it take to get your buddy into Warhammer? Yep. You know, you got some buddies that are kind of on the edge. I, we've all heard our buddies talking about, "Hey, dude, I I just can't stomach the cost. That game looks really cool." Or, yeah, you get them through a couple of practice games or in a couple of intro games, and like, dude, that game was a lot of fun, but I just can't. I still can't bite the bullet on that. Well, I think we talked about some ways to help them get over that edge. Uh, help ways you can kind of pick lists and steer them toward purchases. That can get them to playing bigger games, which is where Warhammer gets most interesting, wouldn't you agree? I, I think the 500-point games are fine yeah. for when you're learning game mechanics, but they get stale real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even a thousand's pretty kind of yeah. It gets Not it can get there. stale, but it, when you get when you're getting to that getting to a thousand points, you start getting enough stuff on the board, where you can start do, really doing things, yeah. and you can start building in some like consist more consistent tactics, and you start getting more of the feel of the game and it's certainly something i remember hearing andrew sherman actually talk about um early on in his show uh in building in list building and part of his approach to list building was he kind of builds his list at a thousand points at a time so even if he's playing a two thousand point army it's really two one thousand point lists kind of smudged together and that's a, a great, you know, kind of th- so that getting that thousand points is kind of really big in Warhammer, in my opinion as well. 
and and being able to work out that and then being able to once I have a thousand points worth of stuff now I can start making tweaks off of it adding things changing things but and I can start worrying about getting diversity and then it gets you know I think once you get to a thousand points too you can the your control over and your ability to make solid purchasing decisions is a lot different at that point because then I can start like Okay, I got to a thousand. Say vampire counts. Even we go back to that example. Not that we should dig <laughs> back back up, but you go back to your vampire counts. Okay, you got your thousand points of stuff. You got those ghouls. You got you got say a block of twenty and a block of ten. You got your black knights. And you got a couple characters. Hey, I wanted to get. I want to add zombies now. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah, definitely. Now's the time to do it because now you've got stuff you can play with. Adding adding a couple of boxes of zombies. Is just going to change up your games a bunch for you at a thousand points. Yeah, you just need that solid base to build off of, and you have plenty of room to go from there. You can do anything you want, and and getting to it as quickly as you can by picking those high point models, picking models that are that's you can buy in larger bulk, which means you stick to the core plastic unit regiments, yep, uh, or you stick to battalion sets. Fill really gets get you to that thousand table. points in a hurry. So I think that's pretty much what we covered today. Uh, so how do you catch the show? I mean, where, what can, you know what, at this point, where you can go ahead and download the show at, Brian? Uh, almost. Almost. Oh, nope, gotta I- get the notes. I think you can get it on iTunes. Yep, we definitely get you, get us on iTunes. <laughs> Blackberry Podcasts. Yep. And Stitcher Smart Radio. Yes, we are listening to all those. I definitely, on my Android phone, I use, uh, it's a, it's an app called, oh, I gotta open the phone. It's called Podkicker. Yeah, you told me about that. Yeah, That's how I, I opened listen. up Podkicker and searched for Wisco Dice. Boom, I was there. I don't know what Podkicker is searching against, but Wisco Dice is found on it. That's yep. all I care about. It, it has most everything on there. Yeah, too. pretty I much. I mean, it worked pretty good when I used it. It was a sweet little podcaster, pod, uh, podcast app. How do you get a hold of the host, Brian? I think we're on, well, you're on Twitter. I guess Swiss will also be on Twitter. So you can get a hold of me at Dugan Bridex. You can go ahead and get get a hold of Swiss at Swiss Dictator. And brand new, we have Paul retired his Wisco Dice tag. He is now at PJ Shard. For those of you guys that are we're following Paul or, or you listen to the old shows and you want to follow Paul, uh, he's, he's at PJ Shard. He's still on Twitter. He still blasts Twitter lots of twits, or <laughs> tweets or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, the twit tweets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We grab the old at Wisco Dice tag, and that's going to be used now for the, just the show. So we'll do uh, episode releases, that kind of stuff. I'll go through that Wisco Dice feed. So those will be less thing. Those will be things that are a lot less uh, individual specific. So if you're follow, if you're doing the Twitter thing and you just want to get show news, uh, follow us at Wisco Dice. So where else can we, where else can we be found, Brian? Also on Facebook. Facebook, really? Facebook? You're a Facebook guy. Yep, Stark Raving Matt is on Facebook, also in the Wisco Dice group. Yep, so we have the, there's the group, the Wisco Dice group, which is kind of more of our forum, chatty area. It's been kind of quiet lately. I've been kind of lazy about putting anything up, but maybe Brian can kind of take lead and start some conversations on the Facebook group. Maybe. And then we've got, of course, the Facebook page as well. Like it. And I, yeah, definitely like it. We're up to like 109 likes or something like that. We had a couple people actually like it over the weekend, so that was awesome. And, but on top of that, that's kind of like my personal blasting round of, 
I put a lot of stuff up on the Wisco Dice page. Yep. Of like, especially all my work in progress, painted stuff. Conzie's diaries. Like, yep. All the episode release announcements and stuff like that. All it goes through all the there. Wisco Dice page. We were also on Google Plus. Google Plus. Hey, yo, Google Plus. Wisco yes. Wisco Dice. And we, again, I, something, I think it's more like something Conzie has been doing and updating, but we definitely get all the episode announcements. Uh, also on Google Plus. So you're definitely, if you follow us at, at whiskodice at gmail.com, if you put us in one of your circles, we'll definitely, I'll, I put everybody that's followed us, unless you're some kind of retailer or something like that, that's, you know, some kind of weird porn stalker. I, <laughs> we, we follow you right back. We'll put you in our circles. So you put us in our circle, you put me in your circles, we'll put you in our circles. Circles. Circles are good. We keep going round and round on this. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think we had a website too, don't we? Wiscodice.com. 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 Yes, and that's at Wiscodice.com is our website and Wiscodice.com it is. See, we're still going in circles, I think. More circles. So somebody didn't put us it. in our circles, so now we're just it's going stuck. round and round and round. Otherwise, we should have blogs going up on there. Yes. I'm going to be adding. I hope people Officially, check it out. Officially, the blogs should be all getting posted i gotta get around and actually do an update to my own blog but yep. yeah officially hopefully you and robert will both have some actual blog posts by the time this episode releases in it. hey wow we're talking over each other that was awesome yep. ha. so yeah hopefully yeah hopefully we get some interest <laughs> in that and stuff what else do we have on that thing you got the outline over there I what a little bit of an outline an we have yep. yeah last episode's <laughs> outline well you can just email us directly oh yes there is email so yeah, you can get us at hosts at wiscodice.com. Or you can go I don't ahead have and an yeah, yeah. I don't have an individual. I, I didn't get that set so. up. I'll get that set up today too. Yeah, it goes so, to host, it goes to me. Uh, we, get, uh, we will yeah, if you just get a hold of Brian at hosts at wiscodice.com, that's fine. Or you can catch all of our individual contact site information though on the contacts page at wiscodice.com. So if you have something you wanted to just send a shout out in to Brian saying, Hey dude, we really appreciate you being on the show. You could just shoot him an email. Yeah, anything uh, you want to cover, throw it in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Get all that information on the Wiscodice site. Or you got all, things you want to hear us talk about or something like that, send us an email. Yep. Let us know. So definitely we're looking for – one of the things we're looking for, guys, if you're still listening to us at this point, this kind of silly randomness, is we're listening for – we're looking for some contest ideas. So if you had some ideas for what we should do for our big 2013 contest, go ahead and send that in. We'll be happy to take a look at it. Hopefully, in our next stu- major studio recording, which will be episode 30, yep. we'll have that be able to come out and announce that, as well as some of our initial prizes in the big giveaway. So expect something crazy. We're going to do some crazy concept idea for a contest similar to the, the 100 likes on Facebook that we did in 2012. So we gave away a lot of stuff for that. Yeah, it's like it just like added up. <laughs> yeah, we, we just kept adding to the prize pool all year long. Instead of giving away prizes, we just kept adding to the prize pool. So we're going. I want to do another contest just like that. Just keep talking about it all year long and give away some crazy like thirteen. I think we had like ten or eleven winners or something like that. Wow, it was awesome. So all right, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Wrap it up. Yes, yes. Hey, Conzie, just because you went to ROE yesterday and left me at home, that just pissed me off. You're just, I didn't mean to be angry, Conzie. Brian, Brian, you're awesome. You are the man. <laughs> Master Brian, Master Brian. Yes, yes.
Wow, I, I can't believe that guy is still around. I thought he would have left when Paul left the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Anyways, thanks for listening, folks. Peace out. <laughs>